Hello and welcome to another fun-packed edition of Open All Hours, the QPR podcast that comes every week with the same amount of happiness. Um, okay, I'm Paul Finney, I'm hosting. This week we're joined by Robert Gilbert. Hello. Uh, Charlie Wise. Hello. Bit deep for you, but thanks anyway. And <laughs> Got to try. QPR CEO Lee Hughes is here to answer as many questions as we can fire them in our given time. And um, to anyone who wants us to abuse him, we're not going to do that. We're going to try and keep this respectful and honest and open, but we will ask difficult questions as everyone would expect us to. And just a, a little footnote, we know that we won't be asking the right questions for some and we'll probably be too hard by so many. I'm aware and we won't please everyone. We know that, but we'll do our best. Right, Lee, Robert's going to kick off with some questions and then we'll just go from there, big man, if that's okay with you. Okay, that's absolutely fine. Welcome, it's a good man. Right Off you go. First of all, thanks, Lee, for giving up your evening. And also, <clears throat> I think it's brave to, you know, one win in 14. We've had owners and directors in the past that wouldn't come and speak to, to the fans. So I think you should be uh, commended and applauded for for coming and chatting <laughs> to us tonight. So we'll start by saying that. And then I guess straight into it, because everyone wants to know, a bit boring, the Linford Christie Stadium, is there any update at all on that? No, there's absolutely nothing on the Linford Christie Stadium right now. Um, we'll continue to look at all, all options, including speaking with people in terms of what could you actually do at the site itself. But um, the, the Linford Christie stuff is, um, as like I said before, that is such a long, slow, slow burner. Um, the council really have um, have anything more in terms of, of consultation. I've heard um, seems to have um, you know be, be be difficult to get things going again post post COVID, and I'm sure they've got a lot of other things on their mind right now. Anyway, <clears throat> at what point do we sort of look outside the borough and say? Because I, if I remember correctly, we sort of said that Linford Christie was probably our last chance to stay in W12. Uh, you've said in the past that Loftus Road is, we love it, but it's a bit of a millstone round the neck. Difficult to grow with it. Um, at what point do we say we're going to have to move outside the borough? I guess when the, one, when the economics add up, and it, it makes sense to do it because it's not like even outside the borough, there's not as if there's a ton of land around in, in places um, that you could actually go to stadium on. Um, and then too, like I, like I said, you want to give the council and you, you give the club every chance they can to do something. Um, you know, I'm conscious that, that twice before um, inappropriate comments were made um, during interviews, which which caused um, me massive headaches in the aftermath of those comments with the council. So you can understand also that I'll keep my cards very close to my chest and not repeat the the mistakes that um, others have made. Okay, so. I think we can deduce from that that we're gonna we're gonna be staying at Loftus Road for the foreseeable future. Um, what plans? I mean, you've said before you like to try and do some work to it each summer. Have we got anything planned for this summer um, to to tart it up a bit? Because um, I've got to be honest, there's there's more and more. I'd say unrest and disquiet amongst the fans about the actual state of the place. Um, it feels like it's falling into a little bit of disrepair 
at the moment. Uh, it's a little unloved. Um, so I don't know what plans there are in the summer, if anything, to uh, to tart it up. Well, I got to tell you, I was at Loftus Road ground sharing with Fuller many, many years ago. And <laughs> Fuller were the ones who actually tarted it up a bit then. It was, it was, you know, I can't say that su it suddenly happened. Like it was this beautiful curl of a stadium that people have been going to year in and year out. You know, so it's always been hard work to try and keep up anyway. Um, each year, I think we got a step by step. We do a little bit more. We obviously we did the um, the rail seating this 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 past summer to to, to implement that in terms of an improvement. Um, we do try and tackle a few toilets every summer as well in terms of, of doing that because so I mean the first lot of toilets we did over it um, at the Stanley Bowl stand when we first started the projects they they were in, in horrible condition. So you know we have started to revamp. We will get around all around the stadium. But to try and do everything all at once is just going to be impossible. There'll also be some turning out this summer with, um, you know, we, we said we wanted to start that the, the Loft Legends stand as well to, to complement what we'd already started with the, uh, with, this, with, the, with the rail steeding. So the designs are going ahead with that and seeing what we can do. And, you know, Forever Arms has been great in terms of working with us on that and helping us out in terms of trying to take that project forward. Can I just um, add something, Lee? I mean, my main concern and... I'll be lying if I didn't say so, was most people, South Africa Road where I sit, are going to, well, I say most people, people I know, I don't know everyone, believe it or not, um, are turning up to games and just going home. No one's hanging around the stadium to spend any money. No one's putting money in the tills. They kind of just come to the games and going away straight away. There's no bar for us to hang around in. Like we used to have the members bar. The blue and white is just, people just won't go there from different stands and, and it shuts so early anyway and and, and things like that is, is there plans to build um something in the area for qpr fans to be based like where the you know norwegian ours people from overseas can come and everything else you know what i mean just like, keep people in the area for a wee bit longer because basically we're going to the games and we're going home and that's it we're just watching the game well a couple of things weirdly the spend per head is up this this, this season. Compared, you know, this is probably one of the best campaigns that uh, that Elliot has ever seen in terms of the spend per head. So sometimes there's perception, and then there's reality. But and that and the fact of the matter is, people are spending more at, at the stadium. The blue and white bar is something in, in the project that we're that, um, we're putting together with the Forever Rs to try and take that forward. Don't want to steal anybody's thunder on that once 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 things are ready. That, that certainly that certainly is something that um, that we look forward to try and re reinvigorate that since. Since you mentioned that one in particular. <laughs> Is there something to be said for sort of running promotions of, you know, to get people into the ground half an hour earlier, an hour earlier, you know, a, a free pint, a free pie once a month, something like that. Um, because, Some Valium. Sorry? Valium. Some Valium. <laughs> because, uh, yeah, I, I agree with Paul. I mean, I've got, a lot of friends who are Spurs fans and they said the, the biggest change in their new stadium is just how much earlier they get to the games because there's just, and look, we all know the walkways are skinny. We all know that it's, we all know what we're working with, with Loftus road, but are there, you know, are, are we actively looking at ways to, you know, I'm sure we are increase revenue, get people in early run promotions. Um, just just to also to build the atmosphere there if people have been in there earlier um the atmosphere will build a bit better as well 
Sorry, I've seen anything about the atmosphere before it was, God, if we had a standing area, a rail seating, oh, the atmosphere would be so much better. Now it's like, oh, if we could only get people there earlier, then the atmosphere would be better. It's always something else, isn't it, guys? <laughs> it's always something. And look, the, ra- the, rail, seat- the rail seating's uh, been a real success. I think everyone. Oh, I agree. Yeah, I think it has I think, I think we've been unlucky that there've only been three three goals down that end, um, and also I love the flags that we put there. I think that's what what I mean is it's. Uh, you say like yeah, if we do, you know, there's always something, but I don't think any of us would sit here and say the atmosphere at Loftus Road is is great at the moment, um, and I think the fans are. You know, we want we want the atmosphere to be good, and I think we can't always. We're QPR. We're not Man United. We're not Man City. We can't all. We we don't expect the team to be winning every game two three nil. Um. So I think I don't think it's unreasonable for us to be looking at ways to you know easy eat what would appear to fans to be easy wins to increase the atmosphere yeah uh, uh, listen I'm, I'm not trying to to um to, to denigrate it in any way whatsoever because mm-hmm. in fact what i like is people coming up with ideas and, and feeding stuff in the fact that i'm not very well right now probably doesn't help right now i think my my wife is actually shitting herself saying i'm not sure you're in the right frame of mind to be doing a, doing a, a fans cast tonight um but there might be some people think that's exactly the frame of mind we want to hear right now um, but, but, you know, if, if, if I just thought it was simply as getting people there early and doing, uh, cause we have done in the past, we have tried, um, I should say earlier have tried because they're the people that we hired to, to, to cater, um, and getting people there earlier doing, um, it's, it's had very, very limited success. And the reality is, um, I, I think you, it was, you, you actually put your finger right on it. Even when I look out at halftime and I see that, um, <clears throat> I see that bowl still half full, even with the bowl half full and only half the people inside getting served, it's still chock a block. You could, you literally couldn't get the whole everybody that's in the stadium inside for halftime anyway. So that we we always know that that is is a, a, a big problem in terms of being able to, to to cater for everybody. But I I just think you know we we yeah sure we could try some addition. I think first things first. Um, Tottenham's new stadium. The production facilities there were the key. Oh, of course, of course. It it was an observation. And like I say, everyone's aware of the limitations of Loftus Road. Like, no one's expecting, you know, 10,000 people to be there an hour before the game. Like, everyone's aware of the limitations. Like, that's that goes without saying. But no, no. What we're saying is, is let's let's start with um, the product. Would people actually go in there for? Because if you said, um, you, you know, you you might have a penchant for a certain beer, you might not quite like the stuff that's being served at the stadium. You, there, might, there could be multiple different things. You might, you know, I I've had complaints. Um, I've had both complaints and compliments about the change of pies this year. I think the pies were actually much better than they than they were last year. But people have different preferences in terms of, of that. But the reality is. Um, start with the quality of the product, even before we get to the prices, let's start with the quality. And, you know, that is a very difficult stadium to work with that the, the Elio has in terms of trying to, 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 to get things out with production kitchens and and, um, and and lack of cellar space for beers and everything else. So straight away, it, 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 it causes a problem. Um, happy to speak to them. Um, in, in fact, wouldn't be bad to, to, you know, for a couple of people that wanted to, to work with Elio, direct with the fans, that's probably the best way. It's all well and good, people telling me 
and then me telling Elio or Ewing telling Elio or whomever. But the best way to do this is like get some sample groups out there, get 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 some guys pushing about what works and what what doesn't work. And in the past, Elio have been quite um, quite open to doing things like that um, and, and and trying different things. And, you know, obviously we've, we've we've tried things like the, the the new mac and cheese stuff that's that's going on at the stadium and and everything else. But yeah, you have to recognize the limitations with which they'll have to work. But that's not to say that we can't try anything. But um, I have found in the past, yeah, if you occasionally do a um, um, maybe a, 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 some kind of special or something like that, you might get a people in. What I found though is the more regular it gets, the less people then start to send to, to start to to, to, to turn up uh, because it becomes oh, well, I just prefer going to the pub, meeting all the mates down there anyway. I just want to can I just come to this in terms of from a different perspective I think why some people really see this almost as an opportunity <laughs> some essence because I think with the launch of I mean I'd, first I've got a couple of questions around this the corner bar firstly where where is this corner bar um and I think as well why it causes a bit of a stir in terms of people I, I even myself I would I would go down to the stadium and have a few beers you know in the ground before if if there was almost a bit more capability in doing so, I know I know staffing is a bit of a problem. I think potentially, like we talk about these, I think there is a need for almost these, these sample groups to give feedback in terms of because I do think there is still opportunity there. And I think why that causes people frustrations because they see this offering of this corner bar where in the current climate where seventy nine pounds for a season ticket holder to go in before and have a few drinks, etc., almost feels like a little bit of isolation where people are happy just to go a bit earlier, have a few drinks, but then. Then we, when we put out this positioning and, and not marketing towards the mass in terms of, as as Rob mentioned, around a free pie once a month or X, Y, or Z, um, I think that's why for me it caused a bit of a stir. But could you run us through this corner bar? Where is it? What is it looking to achieve? Yeah, the corner bar is, the, is, 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 um, is down in the, um, literally in the corner, it would be the first two boxes. It used to be the player's lounge. But what we've done is we revamped the player's lounge, that's, which I'll take you through the whole thing. The old player's lounge is now the the, um, the the corner bar. So we've knocked through the walls there and we've taken part of that corner where it used to be part of Andy um, Andy Evans's office, which used to be Sheila Marston's office, um, and turned that. So it literally is that, that entire corner of the ground. Um, you really couldn't it'd be difficult to watch a match there. From, from inside, like that you can with the rest of the boxes because it looks out of the pitch. With that, because part of it is is right behind the away fans anyway, anybody that's that's sitting in front of you or standing up or something like that is going to block the view, which is why it's kind of a, a stand-up offering. Um, you won't get the full catering because we um, you just don't have we just don't have the catering kitchen to support it. So uh, what's, it's a slightly different uh, different option in terms of uh, the finger buffet and everything else. And then you actually would have to sit outside again because of the view of the pitch is is um, is, is is not the, the greatest. So that's where it is, just down from the old players bar, which we've we've converted into back into boxes. Then right next to that um that that's where the the um the new the new corner bar is um and then the new players um lounge just everybody is is um the old media suite um so then we converted i've um considerably less people working for the club now than when i first came in here um and so we've taken the um the upstairs offices and literally consolidated everybody and turned the half of the offices into a new media suite so that's the one two three domino effect Okay, so in terms of coming back to sort of the original topic we're talking about, bar, I know I know there's been lots of things said about the extra staffing mm-hmm. issues, etc. What other barriers is there to say say in a month's time? You like you you put out posts all across socials, advertise, 
and said, right, everybody, we're opening the ground earlier from one o'clock. Um, you get a, you get a free pie with every with every uh, with your first beer you buy, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera. Try and create a bit more of a culture to get people into the clubs. You know, generate more revenue and create that, and also open open afterwards. What what other barriers are we kind of not really seeing from your side that's kind of limiting this this almost transition well, that you feel the club needs to move towards? Just just so you understand the contractual arrangement as well between us and Elio, we literally the Elio have a license to operate, so they pay us a royalty. And it's then, then to them in terms of a license in, in terms of what they, they do from there. And um, and quite frankly, we rely on them and their work with other clubs to do other things because, you know, in an ideal world, if you could have a catering operation 24-7, um, you'd do it in-house. You know, as a Burnley, we did the catering in-house. And it, was, it was great. It was the most profitable um, um, operation I've ever seen. Did a really, really good job up there. But here, there's just not enough justification to, you, you know, you can't because you won't, you won't operate the, the stadium 24-7. Um, you'll operate the stadium once a fortnight. Occasionally, you'll have something there, but it's it's not that often. It tends not to be, you know, full-blown conference of banquet. It normally would tend to be, you know, just sandwiches and, and having the bar open so the first thing would be Elio in terms of from a cost justification standpoint with what they're paying us for a license fee does it make sense for them to do it because obviously the whole reason they would do it would be um uh, because they want to get more people in because they want to make the, you know it's a, it's a, it's a, it's about trying to make the extra cash um in order to justify it for, for being open so that's going to be the first thing in terms of is it worth opening do we get enough people in here but listen i'm sure no that's, that's kind of my point that. that's kind of my point sorry to interject but it's kind of like we won't know unless we try and really get a bit of push and we kind of just sit back and go well no nobody comes to the no one comes to the ground early no one has a beer before we don't make the revenue so we don't do it but it doesn't come to a point where it's like we need the extra revenue we're never going to know unless we really push it and really try do you kind of do you, do you kind of see that perspective yeah, but it's a, it, there's a theoretical world of, of people um, who, who who aren't experienced in it, who, who don't do it on a day by day. I know that we have tried it before, and I don't have the figures in front of me of, of what the sales were like and the odd time that we have tried it. My commercial director would be able to do that. But what I'm saying is I wouldn't knock it out of the park and say it, it, it won't work. You know, I'm happy to talk with these guys to see, but... It's, it's a bit like the theory that oh, lower the prices and you'll get more people in the stadium. Well, that is total nonsense. That doesn't that doesn't work. That might be theoretical economics how it works on a pure supply and demand type of scale. But in football, it absolutely doesn't work, and it's all about the competition. And, 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 and you know, it's it's one of the most inelastic pricing things you can do. But yet, still, people will still say, oh, but if you lower the prices, you get more people in. When you when you know absolutely that's not going to work. And, but 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 it's unless you've had experience in dealing with it. In theory, that sounds right. <clears throat> so, Lee, you, you mentioned there the competition. Um, and Brentford, obviously, are in a new stadium. Fulham have just built their new stand. And I don't think it's ridiculous to say that's kind of our competition. Similar size clubs, same area. What are we doing to incentive? No, I'm not talking about slashing prices, but to incentivize new fans. What are we doing to get new people through the door uh, to hopefully convert whatever percent that's needed into season ticket holders. Cause surely ultimately the value for the, like the, there's value in season ticket holders. Surely the, the aim is to get new people in the ground for them to enjoy themselves regardless of the football, because you know, God bless us with QPR. You can't always rely on the football. But what are we doing? Uh, you know, I know when people say, oh, go into local schools. And, you know, is there 
is there are there people looking at that it feels like that lower school end used to be open a lot more for our fans i know we're doing kids for a quid against blackburn which is which is great it, are there more things like that in the pipeline uh and i suppose you'll tell me and i'm interested to know like does it cost extra to open up the lower school end to home fans and what the conversion rate needs to be so yeah what what are we doing well we we were selling out the the, the 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 school land. We were using it, selling it for um for home fans. So you know it'd be going well. Then obviously, um, but then the Burnley game where we thought everything would be, we we held it back. We said no, we're not going to give it to Burnley because we've been selling it out, and there was just no uptake on it. You know, fans just 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 didn't engage with it. Now things like kids for a quid, you, you can you can do that. I think that's that's um, we do that to try to engage with local schools. I think more we probably get more out of sending players to, to schools and programs than we do with actual price points, uh, because the whole idea is to make it personal for to QPR. Because I can appreciate that you know little Johnny might come in and say I watched Arsenal on TV last night, but I want little Jimmy to say yeah, but I met a QPR player at the at, at the school. Uh, that is is very good. You know the family stand. For, for the people who knock it has been a success because we uh, we have seen a change in demographics of, of families coming in so that's been 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 very very helpful um so so yeah the, those those types of young people initiative but the fact of the matter is um you, you know I'm I'm not going to go down to to Shepherd's Bush and hand out leaflets and people are suddenly going to go oh I was going to go to Chelsea but now I'm going to go to QPR that's you just not you, you, you know, and, and boards in particular, especially when they're new to football, that's always the thing. You know, they, they have that one thing. We need to make people come and make them want to come and have a great experience regardless of the football. But the reality is in England, that might work in the States because it's more about the experience. But in England, it's it, it, it starts, it, the, the greatest marketing tool in the world is winning. And it all starts with what happens on the pitch. When I, I went home um, beginning of, 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 of last year on an um, international weekend and I went to a Baltimore Ravens game. And the one thing that really struck me is we're getting into the second quarter coming up to halftime and the stadium was still half empty. It was nearly a flipping sellout of 70,000 people, but the stadium was half empty because people were there for the experience. Whereas um, I've, I've had a, um, a U.S. guest who came over, in fact, fact her, her, her husband owns the Baltimore Orioles. And she came in, it was our, it's our, 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 um, our game against Leeds a few years ago. And, and she said after the match, she said, I've noticed something here. But here, it's a lot less about the experience and much more about what's happening on the pitch. And she's absolutely spot on. And I think any American investor coming into English football probably should have talked, could speak to her. Because in England, it's a mature market. It's not a young market, unsophisticated market like it is in the States, where people are just trying to get into football. And you can probably get people from other sports or, you know, maybe convert somebody from, from um, you know, Galaxy to LAFC. But here, you it starts, it's so young. And, and, and there's such a deep understanding and attachment to the game from such a young age that unless someone's moving here and they want to pick up QPR as a second team, which we have had initiatives to try to work on in terms of, of, um, of people new coming into the area, and it has been some limited success on that. You know, you might be a Newcastle fan, but you move down to, to, to London for work or whatever, want, want, want a place to go for football, and bang, that's, that, that's the kind of stuff that worked. <laughs> But to convert large scale amounts of people and, 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 you know, to say, you know, to treat football like it was any other product, 
um, it, it just doesn't work. And, and I know the importance of, of on the pitch. It, it, it has to start with on the pitch. And, and you know, that's, that's, that's um, ultimately the be all and end all. This is really weird because normally it would be arguing what you guys are arguing and me and, and then you arguing my position the other way around. I just want to, before the other guys, I just want to interject because I, I had a feeling you'd say that. I hope you don't mind. Um, and, and I looked up, Robert. Uh, I, I, I looked up, I think most QPR fans will agree, our lowest point um, was probably when we lost to Vauxhall Motors on penalties in the FA Cup first round. The next home game was at home to Cardiff uh, on a Friday night and it was live on TV and we got 14,000 through the gate. So that was the base. The base, whether you're winning or not, is, is 14,000. So we've got 14,000 through the gate. That was in 2002. Fast forward to 2023, slightly different. We played Cardiff at home, wasn't on TV, but was on a weeknight. We got just under 13,000. And I'd say the equivalent fixture was probably the Sheffield United game this year. We're in poor form. Um, it was on the box. Again, on a weeknight, we got 14,000. My, my, my point is that I, I understand and, and hear what you're saying about the product is the main driver. And you're right. Of course it is. When you're doing well, you're going to sell more tickets. But I feel and I think, uh, you know, we put questions out on Twitter and on the message board. The fans feel that the club could be doing more. Um, and I know you say you like it when people come up with with the ideas and don't just throw a problem at you without a solution. But it it, it does feel that we are stagnant at the moment. There's a, there's a stale air in the stadium. Um, the atmosphere against Swansea was and there was no atmosphere and we were winning one nil. Um, and I don't know if that's because the fan base is getting older if we're not bringing in the youth, because it, look, it's the teenagers and the youngsters that are going to make the noise that are going to, that are going to get excited by it, that, that aren't long in the tooth about it. And uh, I, I mentioned last week about, I took my five-year-old son to the Swansea game. He's been to a lot of games and he actually doesn't want to come to Millwall because he was bored. And, um, and even something as simple as went, you know, thought I'll get him a program, but it's cash only. Well, I don't know. Most people don't have cash on them. Um, and it, it's things like that. It just feels like there's a lot of, at the moment at QPR, with the match day experience, I'm not talking about on the field, that there's a lot of shrugging of shoulders and saying, what more can we do? And and I know you've mentioned you don't like it when people moan and don't have solutions, which is why something like an hour early for a beer. And I know that's a rubbish solution uh, or, you know, even I was thinking it used to be the half time on the pitch they had round the pole. And again, I know we're going into the granular and really I want it twice. <laughs> you know, <laughs> someone comes, they run round a pole, they try and score a penalty. It's funny. And you know what? If the team are rubbish, it's something. And I don't, I, I, and you are the numbers man. You, you're right. You've got the figures in front of you. And it just feels like there's a real sense that everyone at the club is kind of shrugging their shoulders. 
and just saying this is the best we can do with Loftus Road. And like I said, when we were in League One, we were getting these gates and the football was dire. And we're still getting these dates and we've got players going off and playing in semi-finals of a World Cup. So, yes, I hear what you're saying, but I, I do feel and I think many fans feel there is more that can be done. OK, ran over, ran no, over. No, 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 not at all. <laughs> so, 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 so I think because I think, first of all, I have to say, wait, I, I listen, I, I, I don't let. I hope I haven't come across as saying, don't tell me your problem unless you have a solution. That's something I say to my staff, but shouldn't be saying to the punters of, of QPR. Okay. So, so, so hopefully I haven't come across that way. Um, but that's not to say, but I do like people who, who, who come up with ideas, you know, even if they're off the wall, I, 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 I think that's, that's, that, that's great stuff. Um, I'm willing to try different things. Like I said, you, you've got the stuff, things like halftime activity. You know, I, I, don't, I don't want to get to the granular either, but there are reasons, you know, we, we've had to, to, you've seen the condition of the pitch with the end of a 10 year cycle with the pitch. And I've literally, you know, from um, halftime activity to, um, to, to not selling or reducing the number of, um, of um, mascots. Now we've had to, Try to keep as much traffic as I can off the pitch for for, for right now. Uh, I appreciate that. It probably may not come across well pre-match or at halftime, but right now I just need to serve that pitch as much as I can for the next couple of months till things start growing and towards the end of March. Um, so, but but you, 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 that's great. Um, and I guess the other thing it is is like when you guys are, there's perception and there's reality. And like I said, it's like uh, people people out there that are spending is like, but yeah, but I'm looking at more transactions per game. It's It actually is, the numbers tell me this is only up as opposed to, and, and some of this is down to, listen, we, we cut the clean sheet at Swansea. We keep a clean sheet at, um, at Sheffield United. And we're not having this conversation. We, it was a completely different outlook on things. From the, from the fan base going forward. I always have to recognize... I'm, I'm going to res respectfully disagree on that um, because, like I say, it, it, it's the whole experience, even to the point where in the South Africa road, you go to the men's toilets, there's still a sign-up about the minute silence for the Queen's death. No, that's unacceptable. That like, is unacceptable. Like, but there's, there's so many little things like that, and I'm sure a lot of fans have got their stories about things like that, and that's what I mean about feels like it's in a state of disrepair like it just feels and and this is really a reactive fan thing to say but when you hear that there's a new media suite and a new players lounge you think a bit like well well they can spend money on that why can't they spend a bit of money where the your general fan is and I know it's not as simple as that but that's how a passionate fan is going to feel and I think it all adds to the atmosphere well why don't, why don't we do this You've got people who would be quite keen, I'm sure, would have ideas that we form a group that, you know, and I'll be completely open book in terms of budgets and money and everything else. And we go through things and we see what kinds of things we can work, whether it be from the catering, whether it be in terms of prioritizing. If I say, you know, I got this amount of budget to put in a capital spend for this summer, where do you guys think would be the best place to spend it? As opposed to me thinking I, mm -hmm. I know the best place to spend it. You guys tell me. I think that's a good look. The rail, like I said, the rail seating was fantastic. That was spear. I I hope I don't I believe it was spearheaded by fans. Please correct me if Absolutely. I'm Absolutely, yeah, yeah. 100 percent So so we know it can work and and a hundred percent. I I I agree on that. I agree. I think that is a good idea. I just the, th the thing is, I would say with with, with Lee's a typical situation is when we come up with these ideas, and I've talked to the, and other people, some blue in the face about 
you wouldn't know we're in the area. I know it winds everyone up, and I can't help it because it's something that's close to me. You come out of White City Station, Shepherd's Bush, whatever, you don't know what QPR is unless you follow everyone else. And there doesn't seem to be a historic link with the area to the football club, sadly, in my opinion. So, you know, Blue and White history evenings, we've talked about this before, Lee, you know, bringing people in, bringing players in. I know it's hard to organize, but fans have got to engage it as well. There's no point in us sorting this thing out and organising it and no one turns up we've got to push it through as well and make sure it works as do our bit if the club are willing to help us and make us halfway which I'm sure they will but they did with the safe standing so there's all that kind of thing and I think it will happen it's just a, a slow process because Roberts talks about stagnation the trouble is our league position is kind of staying around the same sort of place with a couple of good seasons and everything else and it's it, 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 everything is a Saturday, a Tuesday, a Friday, a Monday, a Sunday, whenever Sky decide we're allowed to play. Um, and I get that, and I understand that it's all about that. But there does seem to be things we can do away from the pitch to embrace our history, our culture and the fan base and, and give people a wee bit more time around the stadium, in my humble opinion. I think also a, a lot of fans had a... Sorry, why don't you answer Paul's question and then ignore what I said. Answer Paul's question. <laughs> we do anyway. <laughs> oh, I was sorry. I thought it was a, it was more of a of a statement. As a, as a, oh, as a, I mean, yeah, yeah. I, yeah. Well, I'll take it whatever way you want. I've, I've got. I want to just just before we pass this subject. I think one thing that I I can never really understand that well, we don't do that a lot of clubs up and down the country do in the championship is in terms of reduced um, ticket prices for students. Now, I've got a lot of friends that live in London. I for some reason they I manage to bring them along sometimes. I've I, you know, God forgive them for coming. And one of them's even bought a season ticket to the end of the season. And I think this is one thing that when when we when I was at university and we went away a couple of years ago, we go to the to the games up north and all those teams would sort of offer reduced tickets for quite a lot of them did for for a full time for people in full time education. Why don't we do things that with the amount of the saturation of universities around London, in around the area, why do we not do more to try and create ripples in that water and try and bring people in and tempt students that potentially are big fo- you mentioned it before around people that may have relocated but you've got students that would potentially come into London four years in London that's that's a you know that's that's a lot of fans you can potentially get in on the other end of the scale younger fans and I think that's a really key opportunity that I just feel like we're missing at the moment is there anything that's been done on that well I think we, we've tried to do the um the other 23s prices anyway because we recognize that um you know whether you're a student whether you're not a student it's probably a bit difficult if, if, if that you know, if you're just getting started working to try and you know to to to, to afford the, the, the full price ticket. So you know, I think we've we've, we've modeled a couple of different things. You know, we, we we've um, tried to consolidate things, recognizing that at the age of sixteen, you know, you don't magically go out into the world and work as well. So, so we kind of eliminated that that that, that price break and things like that a few years ago. But um, you know, certainly we've tried working with things like um, um, student ambassadors because we've got those halls of residence that are right up the street from um, from us. In, you know, in, in White City, that we built for for um, um, Imperial. Um, again, you know, limited su- su- success on that. You know, that's something I think um, you know probably worth dusting off again and and and, and having a revamp of that. But um, all, all these things, like I said, I'm more than happy to try and, and work with people. Um, but it's just it's just making sure we got got the people in here who who, who, who definitely want to try and make this this happen and really feed the ideas. And it goes back to what, what what Paul had said earlier. It's about you know yeah we can make it work, but we we, we have to buy into it as well. But it's kind of it's always going to have to be about a partnership in terms of how you take this forward. Because um, you, you know you, you say what you want the, the the board here. I think have been. Uh, 
really good about listening to fans. Um, you, you know, they do take things on board. We have tried to move, push things forward. And that's why I said, you know, if we can get a group together of, of, of the people that, that really want to move this, I'll be open book in terms of what we have and in, in, in terms of, um, you know, budgets and everything else. Um, and then we'll see how we can take this, this, this forward. I, I think for me, just, 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 sorry, just really quickly, just around that one off. I don't really think, I think that one kind of sits outside of almost fan ad objectives because in some elements that's just, I think, purely from the club's perspective, there needs to be a greater ambition to increase the support we're getting at home games. I think that's something that a lot of clubs, as you mentioned, like student ambassadors, etc. I mean, that's a really key opportunity. Like you look at other clubs, use like Uni Days, which is a massive platform for student discounts, etc. They're able to, to publicise themselves and reduce tickets to which is all of that, you know, at those sort of apps and websites got massive, massive football. I think there are more things that I think the club and maybe there's something that potentially you guys can, can maybe reinvestigate because I think that is really an opportunity there. I don't think that that's really one for fans to consult. I mean, that's just these are the general no. things that the club needs to be exploring because the the, the, the attendances aren't aren't probably where no. they should be. No, but, but what I'm saying is, you know, it's, it's one thing for me to say, you, you know, oh, this is what happens in the states. You know, use student ambassadors try to do that. That's that's just, but that's just some some, some old dude saying what's going to do. You're a hell of a lot younger than I am. It would be good to have the input okay. of, of 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 people like your age to say, yeah, but this is what resonates with people my age. You know, that that's where the help comes into it because you, you know it's all well and good me sitting around shooting ideas around, um, but but I, I, there's an age demographic there. I'll give you a call, like, Lee. I'll give you a call. We do things differently, <laughs> Mister Hoos. We do things differently than we did in your day. <laughs> oh God, I I remember the days when I was young and I could do that. I'm way too old. Now, is it would okay if we move on to a different yeah, aspect of the question? Yeah, let's move I on. think let's people want as well. Uh, a lot of the fans want to. Um, I'll just wait for Lee to grab his drink. No, he's not well. Give him a second. And I didn't expect us to talk about the stadium for that long. Jesus. Yeah, let's move No, well, you know what? It's been, <laughs> been standing there for over 100 years. We can talk about it and at least. <laughs> it's, not, it's not going anywhere. <laughs> no, and I, I, I get the feel. But no, listen, all we can do, and as I said before, we started the podcast, people, as we're listening now, are going to go, why didn't you ask this? Why were you not more harder on this? Why didn't you ask about water pressure? Because that always comes up in fans' forms, and we haven't asked it. So, you know, there's, there's things you can't win on, but there's also things that we can work together with the club on. Because at the end of the day, the, the fans in the club want success. Yeah. So we, we, we have to do that. Lee's Sorry. Back. So I think, yes. I think a lot of the fans, uh, it's quite a general question. So they want to know, essentially, what is the current financial situation? Um, obviously, we had the Eze sale. Uh, bought it 20 odd million and whether we can take this at its face value or not Mick Beale said in the summer that there's about a 10 million pound shortfall to make up in the next 12 months basically are we close to breaching FFP um, accounts will be published in the next 10 days um, the last published account showed a loss of I think about 4.7 million I can assure you that the accounts will, 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 will be a um a lot higher of the loss for last year, but no, we are, we are, we won't, we, that will not have caused us to breach FFP, um, nor will we breach FFP. Um, we, have we pushed the envelope out to push it as far as we can? Yeah, because we, you know, the business plan, as you, you guys know, and you've probably heard me go on about FFP over and over and over again until you're sick of hearing about it, is, you know, we're, we're a selling club and we have to sell players. But we just felt, you know, last season that, um, we we didn't um, we 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 didn't 
weren't going to get the values we thought we could get for the players. And we thought we're better off keeping everything, keeping the band together to try and, and, and do that. Because I think, I do think we have a talented squad. I think there's, there's a huge problem with, with confidence. And, you know, it's every time we seem to happen last year. So I keep, you, you can't say it's any one particular manager. You get close to the sun and then something happens where it just, just bottoms out, you know. And for me, it goes back to, you know, if you look back at, at the probably looting away is when I first noticed it, you know, that we seem to just, if you have an individual has, has a bad performance or makes a mistake that causes you to, to, to you know, say they don't score a goal or, or they, they, they allow a cross to come in that causes a goal. It's one thing for an individual. But when you get a, an entire team that just like, you know, doesn't play well, like uh, the Cardiff game a, a few weeks back. That was a game was like, what's going on? You know, the Luton game was the same way back in October. And this is when I first started noticing it back in October. You know, it was Luton. Then, um, you know, I think we put, actually, I think we picked Cardiff not long after that. They were down to 10 men, though, and we, we did really well. Then we we had Wigan, and again, it wasn't a great performance. We, we, we managed it to win. And then, you know, it was, it was Coventry and uh, Birmingham and then Coventry, where, again, just the performances just weren't there. So you got to scratch your head and say, what's going on with the lads? Why, why aren't they? Because it's not like they're bad lads. They don't have bad attitudes. Um, no player ever goes out there to say, oh, I'm just not up for it today. But there's something in terms of, um, of a confidence factor that is it, you know, keeping them from taking that next step. And that's what we really need to do because we have to unlock it. And I'll, I'll tell you what I told every manager, in, 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 including Mick Beal. You know, the fact that Mick came in, and I don't know, I've heard all kinds of rumors about, you know, him talking to Wolves and him talking to Stoke. And I was like, well, Stoke would have been, um, you know, they would have had financial, they have their own financial difficulties coming up as well. And, you know, as hard as you try to explain to managers, this is what FFP means in the championship. When you've come, you know, from, from Villa, who were just splashing the cash when I got the Premier League monies, it must look like, oh, my God, I had no idea it would, it would, the constraints would be like this. So, But it is. That, that it's just how it's going to work in the championship. Unless you've got parachute money, it, you're just going to be constrained by what you can spend. And so, uh, even I think, this year, I think, um, I think that... I, I think we all understand, obviously, we've not got the parachute money. Mm -hmm. That's fine. But it, it seemed as though we were trading sensibly and we we pushed the boat out for, um, if I call it the Sandfield Charlie Austin. So when we converted those four loans into permanent signings, was that a gamble that didn't pay off? Did it set us back, do you think? As in, have we not been able to deal the way we want to deal because we did a lot of our deals in whatever 21 the summer of 2021 has that summer spending then and the gap i say gamble it's a bad thing but it was a count it like i think every fan would have said you've got to sign them has that impacted what we've been able to do and what we will in the future be able to do well, it'll, it'll always, anytime you spend money, it has a further impact on that unless you, unless you, the asset that you bought is then sold and you can reinvest that money. But, you know, I think there was a mixture of business done. If we look at the, um, I mean, look, Barry Eze is really who set it up. And so I sort of just tell you, but, you know, basically every manager that was interviewed, uh, for me to explain the business plan to him was, was, was along the following lines. You know, our whole model is predicated on getting those diamonds in the rough and those young players improving them and producing them into Premier League players. 
forget championship players, for, forget you're selling somebody for you know a couple hundred grand to a League One club, because those markets are dead. We have to produce Premier League players. And the idea is one of two things happen. Either someone comes in here and uses us as a stepping stone to get into the Premier League, um, and we make money because we sell them, or we all get there together. That's 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 how this is going to have to work, and it's the only way it can work. And that literally is, in a nutshell, my my spiel to every manager that, that has, has walked through the door. So, in terms of things, you you can't just buy. And I think and I think any manager would tell you, you just can't buy young young players and, and hope that young players get you up. You have to have the balance in that squad. So it's a bit like loan players. Like, well, the reason you bring in a loan is one, does it take this club forward? But two. Does it complement a player? We bring it in somebody that's going to complement Ilias chair because we we need Ilias to look like he can really shine. Is it going to help Chris Willock in terms of developing him into a player? It's just trying to get that balance right between you know players that will complement our players to players that are balanced. You know, you've got that experienced head out there that's helping the players develop that we're bringing in as young players on 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 the pitch. And so that we recognize full value for them. But you know, we've we've got some, you know, some some really, you know, Sam, I think Sam's been a been a great acquisition. Um, but you, you know, while you have a Sam, you might have a Charlie and a Steph, but then we had you know a Sam and an Andre Giselle that, that's coming in next to those guys in terms of okay, that's the next step forward for those guys. Um, you, you know, from, from people like um, you always look, you're always looking for that next striker, the hardest one to find, the, the, the guy who can score goals, the hardest one to find. Just picking up on something you said, would you say, sir, look, a lot of fans uh, have opinions on the signing of Chris Martin. Either way, would you say perhaps the way to look at the signing of Chris Martin is that it, it, he's almost been bought to increase the value of Ilias Chair and Chris Willard? You could. That, Chris Martin's I, 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 that, that, That's not me trying to do a gotcha. Or well, a, you don't want to go. I, like, yeah. Chris Martin, no, that's not it. Chris Martin's been been brought in because nobody ever thought that Lyndon was going to get um, pneumonia and, and be out for a sustained level of time. So you know we have to remember Sinclair Armstrong is a ki- is a young kid, Yay. and we can't just throw you know because because you know look Barry Eze, Eze has gone and done well. There were times when the fans were really on his case. You know, he just, and I can remember bringing it up and supporters were saying, you guys say we're all about developing players. This kid misplaces a, a pass. You guys were all over on his back. And and, and, and the social media stuff that I, I hear that, that Epps used to tell me about is like, wow. You know, it just, you know, so, so yeah, we need, we need to do that. But we have to remember, these are young kids. And no matter what you say about, yeah, we want to develop our own, when you put them in and they have a bad game, the fans are pretty unforgiving with them. So it's like, we got to know when to take them out. And, you know, you, you got Sinclair over here from, you know, he's originally from Ireland, so he's away from home. We need to protect him. We need to develop him on a step-by-step basis, you know, to, to, to get him used to, 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 to being, you know, up the top there. Same thing has happened with, you know, Charlie Kilmer out on loan now. Charlie, great, great, you know, Mark Warburton has said that is a really good piece of business, that Charlie Kilmer deal. He'll, he'll, he'll do well for the club in the future. But but he needs to get his confidence, he needs to build, because, again, he, he's a young kid. So, you know, you've got Linden. But even Linden, um, if you think about it, you know, he's, he was playing um, – he was playing, you know, Australia did not have the football education that, that academy guys would have. So he, for you know, while he's in in, um, in that middle bracket, but you know that, that that prime age still has relatively few, um, you know, lesser games under his belt than you would normally at that age. But the thing I love about Lyndon is um, 
Lyndon will work his socks off. Lyndon will do whatever it takes. He tries his, 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 his best to, to do things. And he's got a great attitude. So it's like, okay, it's somebody I like. We like you guys. Like, we like to, to work with that. So, you know, while he, he's, um, you know, sometimes I think people got, sometimes people get on his case a little bit about the, the goals that he misses. But on the other hand, I also remember him missing and, and the fans really getting behind him in, in, in one particular game. So it's kind of like, okay, that's great stuff. That's the kind of stuff that helps players. That's what helps us get them over the line. But we got to remember that we got to take some of the pressure off of them. So somebody like a Chris Martin coming in, it just takes the pressure off of, you know, we were signing Chris on, on, a, on a, you know, on a three and a half year deal. I think everybody would rightly be going, what the hell are you doing? You know, you know, uh, it doesn't make any sense. Come to saying, you know, with with what you're talking about in terms of the business plan. But you know, Chris is here. Chris has something to prove to us and the rest of the football world, which is, I got more in the tank. This might only be till the end of the season, but I have something to prove, and I think I can show people that I still have more to give. And for us, it suits us as well. It's like okay, because we got an issue with Linden coming back. You know, he's lost quite a bit of weight. He's, you know, thank God he's out of the hospital now. Um, but he's going to be a little while in terms before he gets himself into, into match fitness again. So we need to have that insurance policy in there to see us for the rest of the season. Uh, going back a wee bit, Lee, and I'm going to ask you a question that you've heard a million times, just for clarity, for people who maybe missed it before. How does the process of recruitment work at QPR? As in, we have a, you, CEO, we have Les, Director of Football, we have the manager, we have the youth team coaches. So is it a case of um, you, the manager goes to Les and says, I need a left back. Les comes to you, asks you for a budget. You go to the owners and say, how much money can we spend on left back? Or is it a case of Les finds a player and goes to the board without talking to the manager? And then it, it works that way. What, what actually is the process? I'm saying this as I'm stupid because I am. So explain to me like yeah. a two-year-old. Well, for, first of all, you're looking at every position. We know which ones we'll need, but we expect the recruitment department to say, give me a, you know, say we're talking and we say we need a left back. So recruitment department, give me the list of left backs that you're doing and rank them in terms of that. <clears throat> so the recruitment department will always have its its um, its its, uh, its fingers on the pulse of, of people, you know, around around the world in terms of, um, you know, Kenneth Powell is a great example. Ken Belky had been tracking Kenneth Powell for, for, for ages. You know, he was always on the list every time we said, okay, what about left backs? What are we going to do? You, you, you know, we got Lee coming out of contract. So, so, so what happens then? Um, so he, he has that list, you know. So what it takes to sign a player, though, is um, um, the manager has to, it, it needs to agree. The, um, the, the um, head of recruitment needs to, to agree and the director of football needs to agree. I, I don't have a say, you know, unless someone asked me about, a player that I know from the previous club and what they're from a personality standpoint, what they're like, that's the only input I would ever have into the, into the, um, the quality of the player. I don't, I don't get involved with whether somebody's right for our system or not. For me, that's about what that's, that's Les Belke and, 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 um, you know, Pritchley's job to say, this is the right guy for our system. This is, this is how I see him playing going forward. Now, now what's great about Les is, um, Look, under previous clubs, the manager said, oh, oh, I need this. And on paper, it might look like a great signing. But the reality is, it doesn't fit into how that particular manager plays football at all. But he gets carried away because he sees that brings him in and it's not worked out for a particular player. And this is where Les worked his way to go because Les can say, yeah, but he plays his, you know, one over here and you, you, that's not the way you're playing. So how do you see him working into your system? So it's great in that respect to be able to flush out logically 
where somebody actually fits in to, to from a football standpoint with us. Only thing I get involved with is um is is the the, the, the budget side and um and potentially negotiations. Sometimes in negotiations, like um, Jimmy Dunn, you, you know, Les did the personal terms and I did the club terms with the, because because this is look at the end of the day, it's like every other uh, other business. It's 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 about who you know. It's 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 you know. Uh, Personal contacts can be quite handy. So the fact that you know know the guys from Burnley, you have a chat with the guys from Burnley, you know get a deal over the line. So and, and, uh, we just we just kind of there's no set piece that you know Liz does this and I do this. It's each each deal we kind of um, is almost individual merits in terms of who's doing what, who's picking up what. Okay, before I hand over to Charlie, one thing I would like to ask: say, for instance, to clear it up, like I'm stupid again, like a two year old. Does Les do the contracts for the youth team players? Like someone like Nico Hakalain, a lot of fans are like, four-year contract, that seems a lot for a player that is loaned out a lot and probably will come back and be loaned out straight away again. Uh, or is that just a calculated risk? Who who does the contracts? Who negotiates them? And who spots the players we have to tie down for a long time? Is it the manager? Is it Les? Is it whoever? The, the manager will have some input to somebody like like a Nico, uh, but really that's down to, to, to you know, the, there's a recommendation to the technical control board, which, which is what it's called, which would be Chris, um, Alex, the academy manager, um, Les, you know, they're in terms of, you know, first professional contract, second professional contract. And all of this is like, it looks, if, if you're giving somebody a two-year contract, or, you know, you probably have to pay them a little bit more. You give somebody a longer-term contract, you'll have to pay them a little bit less. The fact of the matter is, somebody like Nico is um, every manager coming in has said he's really got something. I really like him, um, but it's just he's just not managed to 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 to, to take it to that that next level. Um, I mean, the, the upside on, on the um, on the loans though is okay. Well, we're getting the wage contribution every time he goes down on a loan. So from a uh, from from a um, from a business standpoint, look, if I'm getting the wage recovered, then it's it's, it's you know he can come back try again and if it doesn't work out then at the end you of course you want to get a big capital sum for them but sometimes it just doesn't work out that way but if you're getting the wages you know either paid in full or, or the majority of the page while, while he's out on loan then it becomes a, um, a less critical business decision for you and it doesn't hit you on the on, on the um, ffp side Charlie, thank you Lee. i just wanted to come on to just kind of come in a little bit back to, to transfers and about the deal with Chris Martin. And I think there has been absolute <laughs> wildfire this week. And I think that's because of a little bit of misunderstanding and a little bit of confusion. And I think coming back to your point, talking about, um, which is exactly right, you can, no one would have ever predicted that Linda Dykes sort of had pneumonia and been, been in hospital, et cetera, and been left out. You did also mention that Sinclair, Arm, uh, Sinclair, uh, Sinclair Armstrong was a 19-year-old who's a kid, inexperienced, it's such an early stage of his career where he doesn't deserve to have the ownership or pressure on him to perform at this level. And I think why this Chris Martin transfer caused so much stir was because from outside, from fans, etc., we felt as though we needed another striker in the club for, you know, for the last 12, 18 months. Can you put just, and, I, and you know what as well that adds to this storm is that people reading the press that, you know, we got, I can't remember how much it was, but it was about 700k or something for Chair and Yang being in the World Cup. We got money for, for Bill's release clause. Can you put in a top line summary for a lot of people that, you know, listen to this podcast or see it on YouTube, et cetera. Can you just put out and just 
explain to people with clarity that you know we can go and read the balance sheet but not everyone understands the ins and outs of ffp can you put it in top line summary as to why in this transfer window or in the summer we didn't go out and buy a striker just just surmise the current situation and and almost the limitations that we have in the transfer market in the current, current well in, in the first yeah in the first place if you're going to go buy a striker you want to buy somebody you, you, what you what all the fans want is Got to bring in that guy that can score you 20 goals. We don't have the kind of cash guy to score that guy that can score 20 goals. So, you know, it, 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 where are you going to go? What's out there? What is, is available? You know, we take somebody like um, Macaulay Baum. You know, Mako was, 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 um, he was, he was scoring in a team that wasn't creating a lot of chances. So you, you're looking at it and thinking, there's actually not a bad goal scoring record. If we can get a hold of him, we might be able to take him to the next level. Again, it didn't quite work out for him, but it is the, the, the that position at the top of the pitch is the hardest one to do. So we'll have the debate. It's like, okay, if we go out and get a striker, what do we do? What do we get? It's like, well, if you don't do this, then you have to go young. It's like, well, if we're going young, we must go young within the within the club in terms of you know you know it's like you know everybody wants to get the next team Tammy Abrams in or, or, or you know, but. It's just not that simple because when 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 we first burst onto the scene, he was a complete unknown. So you can either take the chance and try and get somebody from a you know a, a young player from a, a Premier League club, or you you you, you go with what you think you have. Um, and you know, quite frankly, you know, last year was a great example. I was you know, to me, it seems like somebody at the top of the pitch probably would have been more sensible than bringing in a midfielder. But that's that's what we did. Um, but again, you, you know, you, you have to give people, you know, leeway to say, this is how I want to set the team out. Um, you don't want to just completely cut the legs out from underneath people and say, no, you can't do that. You can't do, do, do this. You're trying to help a manager as much as you possibly can. Um, same, same this, this summer in terms of, you know, how Mick wanted to set the team up, you know, you know, he felt it was more important to bring in someone like, like, like a Tim, um, than it was to, 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 to try and get somebody because he couldn't get the right person that would fit in with the, with, at the top of, of the pitch for him. On, on that, I'm pleased you mentioned Mick Beale and Tim. I, uh, do you not worry that someone like Tim, who's not ours, not our player, He's on loan from Villa. And look, if you're top of the league and he's flying, wow, brilliant. But now in our situation, we're mid-table. Yeah, we could still make the playoffs. We could also be dragged into a relegation fight. We've probably got next to zero chance of signing him in the summer because Villa will want a lot of money for him. And at the moment, I know he didn't play Saturday. He seems to be starting ahead of Dizel, who is our player, and ahead of Amos, who I know has been injured. But for the most of the season, uh, who is our player. Is there, it feels that there's a lot of what the manager wants, the manager gets. So you said Mick Beale wanted a midfielder. He wanted Timmy Rabunam. Is there not some, is the, should the structure not be in place at QPR where we turn around to a manager and say, we've spent no because we've invested however much in Luke Amos we've invested in Andre Dezel that's you've got players there already you can't have a loan to stop the development of these players and I will sort of um I can't think of the word it should be noted that Tim has stayed fit all season which has been invaluable so I I, I do get that but do you see where I'm coming <coughs> from that we've got this director of football and we've got a recruit and we've got a stats man in Andy Belk who 
and that's one model. But then we also have managers uh, like Mick Beale, <coughs> excuse me, who brings in Timmy Rabuna, who brings in uh, Balogun or Warburton, who brought in Andre Gray on loan, who brought in Moses Odebarjo or Lee Wallace, who they've played with before, who they've sorry managed before. And it sort of does that not leave us open to a situation like we're currently in, where when the manager changes, we have a rocky patch as opposed to Luton where the manager's changed and they haven't missed a step. And I'm sure it's more complicated than the way I've just said, but do you think we're trying to run a hybrid when we should be running just one? Um, again, it goes back to what I said about balance and trying to get, make sure we get the balance right for, and, and players who could complement what we're trying to do, you know, manager's playing style in terms of how he thinks he can, he can take it forward. Now, you, you know, have we said no to managers before? Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, it, it has happened quite a bit where it's like, no, that, that really doesn't fit here or it's timing someone's growth too much. But um, some of the players you mentioned, you know, like Moses, remember, he was actually our player, though. It's not like we bought him in alone. He was given a short-term contract. And it's like, okay, you, you know, and, and, and as I said, look, I've never had an issue with, with Moses' ability to play. It's just, does, does he have the perseverance because of his injury record? That was always the big question mark. And we recognize going into this game, look, we're not going to get the real deal. <clears throat> Someone who's the real deal isn't playing for us. They're playing for you know, Manchester City or somebody like that. We're bringing in people, you know, like the Sam Fields of this world, who's like, okay, Sam's had a few injury problems. We know he's a quality player. It's just managing those injury problems, making sure he, he does all right. You know, that's one that's, that's worked quite well for us. That's that, 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 that's that's um, that's that's been quite good. You know, somebody like Kenneth Powell making that jump from from Holland over to here in terms of okay, and, and quite frankly, Kenneth. We've matched him very well. I think he's um, no one would take somebody a year to adapt to, to football. He seems to have taken to it straight away. So, so, so fair play to the to the management staff on that. You know, someone like Tim coming in is going to be about. No, this is where I think we can get up and out. The one place in midfield that we, we don't have is someone with the legs to get to, to go box to box. You know, we need somebody that can put the energy in it. And, um, and that's where Tim, because, you know, Luke is Luke, Andre is Andre, and Sam is Sam, and Steph is Steph. You know, and, and and you've got two different types of materials in there, but there's a third type that we need that would actually complement those other, other two types and just adds to it. So it's not about bringing in the what you already have and the type of midfielder you already have. It was about bringing in a different type of midfielder, somebody that gives you a little bit, you know, something different than the other than those those two other sets don't give you. That can, I just come in, can I just come up with a couple of things before before <laughs> and we will let you go because I know you're not well later. I can see it. You don't look that well. You look like I. You look like you've had something I've cooked before. I can't. Um, I just. I, no matter this, this thing just won't go. I keep. You know, I thought it was supposed to go after about you know a week to ten days, but I was, I'm still as uh, testing as positive as um as, as, as day one right now. It's 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 not good. Another feeling. Trust me. Um, do you get frustrated? Um, like sometimes we all do. Uh, um, our cup record. Um, because if you we talk about extra revenue, we talk about you know everyone all signal all dancing all before the games and get the atmosphere up and going. You know, cup runs to me would frustrate the life out of me. We need money, we need revenue, we need people through the gates, and yeah, every flipping cup, we just no matter who the manager is, no matter who the players are, we just have the same result. We just go out. Does that not frustrate you the way it frustrates the hell out of me? Absolutely. That's not the only thing that's frustrating, but yeah, 
Listen, this is and this is the whole point of, of the conversation tonight. Is like, look, I know you know, I I know how I can come across, you, you, you know, uh, uh, especially when when you're not well and you feel irritating, you know, probably irritating the fans as well. But that's my job. Football's about venting, you know, and and you know, I I, I couldn't go to Huddersfield this weekend, obviously, um, but watching that on a on a stream. Um, yeah, when, when you're there, you have to do director's box decorum and all that. But when you're not there, you can kind of cut loose. And that's one of those ones where, you know, we, we, we're not saying things like when you the way you want it to go. Well, you do feel like you can be a fan and, and, and know exactly what we're going through saying, God, this is frustrating. Why in the hell am I putting myself through this all the time? Uh, the same questions you guys are asking. Why in the hell do I go through this every flipping week? And look, and, and at the end of the day, I thought about it over the weekend. I thought, yeah, I can sit there and learn. I can just sit there and be pissed off because, you know, things didn't happen the way I wanted it to happen. But at the end of the day, you need to find solutions. And, you know, we are doing some things differently because it would be different if I thought uh, these, you know, it's, it's player attitudes because um, it's not. You know, if if, if, you could, if I could just put my finger on it, well, if I could put my finger on it, we wouldn't be having this call because I'd be in my one of my many offices, probably the one in Miami this time of the year, and I'd be telling Jurgen Klopp what's going wrong and what he needs to do to fix it. But it's just not that simple, you know. And sometimes what we can't do though is do what we always did and then expect a different result. We've got to shake things up a little bit right now. That's just similar to what you guys are saying. Why don't you shake things up? You know, club seems like it's it's, it's shrugging its shoulders. Why don't you shake things up a little bit, get some some fresh ideas in? And that's exactly what we're doing on the player side. By the way, I, I think you're right. I think I think we do need to shake things up, and I, I'm happy to get fresh voices in. And the player sometimes needs some fresh voices in because you got a manager who didn't have a preseason who's coming in trying to figure out right what's going on, guys. You're a talented squad. You're good lads. Um, what's what's going on? Why why what is it about um, the, the 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 mentality? How do we get this over the line? So you know, as I said, it's about trying different things but incredibly frustrating. And I think the players get frustrated with it as well, because I'm sure if they do, if they have the answer, they, they do it. But, you know, there's a lot of questions about what, you know, the, the, the first thing is, the question's been asked is, guys, why do you think this is happening? So it's for them to come to grips to say, All right, let's take this next step. we got to get this over the line, because we know, uh, just ask you guys, do you think we have a talented squad? Say it again, sorry, Lee. Do you think we have a talented squad? Yes. Yeah, I do. Yeah, I, I, I do as well. I think we have a stronger squad this year than last year. I but think, sometimes, I, mean, but, I, I, I think um, perhaps I look. No, you'll know more than the ins and outs. I think the Mick Michael Beal thing has from Mick the Michael like you did though. Whatever you want to call him, I think it's completely knocked everyone for six. I think everyone's feeling really sorry for themselves. As I think, by the way, you guys in the boardroom have every right to. Um, I, I, um, I don't feel I don't feel sorry for myself at all. Just let you know, it's like no. But my attitude is Mick, Mick Beale doesn't give a damn about us. Mick Beale's moved on, so why in the hell is anybody worried about him? Don't move on. We still talk about Jose Basingwa laughing at Reading <laughs> years ago. We, we, we're not going to move on that quickly. And I'm sure a lot of the play, like, as you said, they're good lads. And someone liked him. He's 19. He would have been brought to the club 
because I'm sure Mick Beal sold him the vision. Ethan Laird just sold the vision. How can you play 100%. 100 Also, Ethan Laird and Timmy Rabuna, they know that they're probably not going to be here next season. So they don't, and I don't want to be one of those fans that moans about lone players. So I think that's kind of it. And I think we've been dealt a really bad hand. And I think we yeah. were unlucky. And I think when you say a refresh, I love this squad. I love what Warburton did with it. I loved how McBeal was playing football. I, I truly love the squad. I believe personally it's it's time for a refresh and they've it's time to sell some of our assets and build a new team like we did after Eze, Brighton, Manning and Naki Wells all went. We built a new team. We built a better team. I just personally feel that that time has come. Uh, and, well, let's, first of all, we, we the, the object was keeping the team together for the last couple of years. We're constantly trying to build on it. But obviously, if you're a selling club, you can't keep doing that forever. So there does come a time when you do have to say, okay, well, you know, what happens after that? But right now, it's just, I want to get through this season. I want to, uh, we don't want to leave any stone unturned to try and unlock the potential that's in those guys right now, all of them. And bringing them together as a team to see how we can take this forward and and and, and try to end this season on a positive note the way we started it. Just to, just to extend on that and talks about um, still in players, etc. Will we ever have the opportunity to sell Chris Willock? What's the situation with his contract? Also, Dunn, Dickie, Dieng. What's what's the situation with contracts with some of those players that are, are coming close now? Um, well, the, the players, you know, we've got, there's options for some, there aren't for others. Those are ones that um, Les is, is, is dealing with their, their agents right now. Yeah. I got to tell you, somebody, if somebody comes in and says, you know, I want you know, 25 grand a week, it's going to be like, okay, right. I hope you got something lined up for this summer then. I completely understand that. I completely understand. I just want to make a, a point around that. I think I remember in the fans forum, I think the conversation was even asked then about Chris Willett's contract. And it just seems to be over the last couple of years, it's been, I understand it's, as well as down to financial position and negotiations, et cetera, and budget. But it just seems to be, and I think there's always this bit of a fan perspective that we're just leaving it so late. And obviously I'm not asking you to tell me now how much money is he asking for? What are we offering him? But I think it's just sometimes it just feels a little frustrating that we're getting towards this latter stage of the season now and it doesn't, doesn't really seem to be much progress of any of those contracts. No, I, I agree. I, and the problem is you can't force a player to, to sign a contract. Um, so, but but on the other hand, you can't turn around and, and you know you're right. I'm not going to tell you you know well, this is where we are. This is this is the the, the gap. Well, that's ridiculous. We see each other right now. So, um, <laughs> that's, that's, sorry, that's, that's not going to happen. Um, well, right, yeah, before well, we let before you before we let you Robert Robert Robert, 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 so I'm going to ask my last question, and you guys can ask yours, yes. and then we'll we'll do it that way, if you don't mind. Um, they, I like what you said about um, Bill. He didn't give a damn about us. He will never give a damn about us ever again. And um, yeah, he's gone. We will move on. But I hope Glasgow Rangers never win anything as long as they exist. Well, he's uh, um, yeah, well, here's, here's here's the problem you'll have because like um, is is um. As difficult as the English press can be, the Scottish press are just awful. You've, oh, yeah. just, you've just provided them with their headline now. In terms of we don't give a damn about McBeal because I didn't say I didn't say I never gave a damn about McBeal. What I said was Mick's gone. 
that cha- our chapter in his life it's, it's too late it's already been printed yeah. on the back pages no, what, no, what, what, what i said was he doesn't give a damn about us it just said it in my oh, that, that's true yeah that's true he doesn't now no he's moved on it's, it's all about ranger it's i didn't say you didn't rangers. care about him i said he yeah. didn't care about us just to clarify that if any scottish yeah. journalists and then i'll try and do it my best in the you should charge him a fee for using a podcast well, to be fair, <laughs> I did get phoned up by a Scottish radio station who probably got the only uh, Northern Irish person, one of the few who doesn't like Rangers or Celtic, and was quite happy for both of them to not win anything ever again. But that's it. That's me. Right, listen, my last question was, you'll be aware of these, uh, you might not be, of Charlie Austin's tweets this week, which is sort of looking at the Chris Martin side, and, and he was asked maybe to retire when he was at QPR. You can clear that up. But also, were you hurt? by what Holloway said as well about Steve McLaren and how things were done behind his back. There's a nice easy end of my questions for you. Okay, well, let's, let's deal with the Charlie Austin. I have no idea what anybody what anybody's tweeted um, because I don't do Twitter. But um, I was in the room when Charlie was, uh, quote, asked about retirement. And what Les actually said was, what are your plans, mate? He said, because yeah, if you keep playing, you look like you're carrying your knee now. You're going to have to work much harder on the training ground in order to, to keep things up. Now, Charlie turned around and twisted that and said, can you believe they asked me if I was retiring? I was like, well, actually, what he said was, what are your plans? It looks like that knee is really starting, you're starting to really carry it right now. <clears throat> I would have been embarrassed if I were Charlie, because basically what he said is you're not working hard enough. Now, rather okay. than to twist that around to say, oh, can you believe they asked me about retirement? It's like, Bloody hell, Charlie! Man, you, you, you know, instead of playing the victim, look at what look, look at what you do. Look at what the man's trying to tell you because he's trying to help you. Um, but so, but it's like I, I just, you know, quite look. Charlie and I go way back. I sold him to QPR when I was at Burnley. He's um, he's very confident. You know, he knows what he wants. Um, uh, and you like that in a striker, quite frankly. Um, and and but you you know that Charlie beats the tune of his own drum. So so it's like well, you know, like him, um, lo- lovable rogue in many many ways. Um, um, does make me laugh. But, but at the end of the day, it's like look, don't. It, it is what it is. You know, if you want to keep playing, it, it, this is about the work you put in right now. But if you think that the you know you look at somebody like like Lyndon. Um, <laughs> Who works, you know? Okay, we might have to. Okay. What the? Oh Jesus! Yeah, I feel like um, I might have asked too long a question for someone who's struggling I, to I speak. I think you did. Yeah. Well, I, I blame you too. <laughs> that, that doesn't work. I think now, but for the record, everyone who's watching YouTube, they know what's going on. I don't need to explain. Yeah. Or audio people. Um, Lee, who has just took a coffee fed and legged it, um, is the only way I can. And um, hopefully he'll come back. If not, we might have to ring 111. Um, does anyone know where he lives? I don't. Um, anyway. Um, so, comes back. By the way, for, for people who, who, who listen to this, who are Charlie Austin fans, that's Lee Hughes' statement of what happened. We weren't there. We don't know. He's had his say. Charlie Austin is more than happy to come on and have his say when he feels like it. I'm not going to take sides. That's between them two. Um, so, <laughs> which, is, which is fair, I think. You know, we're not going to... And I filled that time up, lovely. You still... Jesus Christ, we thought we are going to have to ring 111. And you know they take hours to get through. We'll have played the Saturday's game. So why, why, why don't we let Lee go? Because he's been... Yeah. Phenomenal. I don't sport. I just... Lee, thank you. So, <clears throat> so I'm coughing now. Oh, you start. Thank well, you for your time. It's yeah, like yeah, I said yeah. at the start, 
we've had many executives and many people in the offices at QPR who wouldn't give the fans the time of day. One win in 14, you fronted up. And I think that, like I said, I think that's really commendable. The fact that you're struggling with illness, doubly commendable. Thank you very much, Lee. And good luck on Saturday. Hope it goes swimmingly with both tears. Yes. yes thanks. <laughs> thanks. The, the only thing I would say is um, I can preach one, one in 14, one in 15, actually, I think it is now. <laughs> Give me another bullet to my brain. But it's the performances, I think, that I look at more than, than, than the results because the results eventually come around. Because I can remember, you know, December 2019, I was getting letters about how we needed to sack Mark Warburton. It was terrible, and, you know, but we knew the performance, the underlying performances, the number, it was it was actually quite good. This is the same way. The performances of Swansea, performances, performances in Sheffield United were actually, you know, good. Now, no excuse for, for, for like, Cardiff away. That just wasn't a good performance. But we, we really need to focus on getting the performances back because it will come once we get that sorted out. So, again, it's just about trying to get the, the confidence back up in the players, getting them going forward. And, um, and, and you know, I, I really I just don't want it to sound like a cliche. It's like, because, it, you know, anybody can come on here and say, yeah, we need to get behind the boys. It's just, it's just not that simple to so know how frustrating it is. But, see, but we really do need to try and get behind the boys. Because, like I said, you know, if they, if they were a bunch of um, mercenaries who, who, were, who were here, just tossing it off, that'll be a different story. And I'll probably be the first one just, just um, you know, throwing them my toys out of the pram right now. But the fact of the matter is, I know there are a decent bunch of lads. I just need to somehow tap into that. Remember that they're very talented football players. Get in touch with that and and and, and get those performances to, to consistently go and, and get some clean sheets in there. Right here, Lee. Well, listen, go get, go to bed, get well, and... Um, Hopefully see you again soon. But thanks for coming on. Okay. And hopefully you didn't find it too uncomfortable. No, no, it's fine. <laughs> Thank you, Lee. Really appreciate it. Thanks, time. Lee. Cheers, Lee. We're going to stay on. See you later. Bye. 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 Well, there you go. I did actually think at one stage we would have to form one 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 there. So hopefully people watch that will see that we, we've done our bit. I'm always apologising because I know we're going to get criticised. I know it. I've done this long enough. But we've asked some interesting questions. We've got some interesting responses. Didn't start off so well when they start the interview when he maybe took the question wrong. But listen, everyone can make their own mind up. And um, we've done our job, hopefully, as best as we can. And people are pretty, will understand that. So anyway, um, before we go, Robert and Charlie, what's your thoughts on that interview? I think that he's more than happy to talk about the football side. My, my impression was... He wants to talk about the football side of it, but I think there's other issues at QPR right now. And I don't think he felt very comfortable talking about some of the other things. He was more than happy to talk about the performance at Hull and the before, like let my manager, let my, uh, let my director of football talk about that. Let my chief exec tell me how he's going to get young kids into QPR and tell me how he's watching the finances. That's just my thoughts if I'm being harsh. Uh, but like I said twice, that he fronted up, and we've had people that haven't fronted up before, and he was really, really ill. So yeah, yeah. You, you see that he wasn't fake. He really, it. really ill. It was it was good to chat to him. Yeah, Charlie. Um, 
100% commend the bloke for coming on. Um, I think, I, I, you know, I was very surprised in the circumstances, etc. I just, I don't know, as we finish that, I just, I just feel as though, being brutally honest, I feel as though he's a bit of a defeated man. Mm. And I don't, I don't get the sense of the vision of where he wants to take the club. And I don't blame him in some circumstances. I completely see that we're having trouble with getting a new stadium. We are really, really up against it in, in our current situation with the stadium, finances, et cetera, et cetera. And I can see eventually how over time that really would back you down. But we almost need a bit better than that. Does that, that sounds, and that contradicts what I just said, but it's almost, I just don't see the vision. And I think this is probably getting quite harsh now. And I think it's all really good and well. And I think it's really good. He wants to take the time and chat to the fans, et cetera, et cetera. But I think there's a lot of things where the club should potentially be driving themselves and putting in more initiatives to try and take things essentially more forward than they are. And I think that's really easy for me to sit here and say, and we don't see 95% of the things that go behind that's the door. What we, what we see is, is the end product. And I think, and a lot of things in terms of the end product of, of, of the, of the match day experience that we get and all these things, the football the, and everything else, I think it's not quite what we like it to be, but it, it's difficult to, I, I just feel he's a little defeated, I think is how I'd, I'd kind of surmise it. And I just don't see, he hasn't installed me of confidence that he's going to take us on a path. And that's maybe a little bit, it's a bit optimistic, a little bit philanthropic, but it's difficult, isn't it? It's difficult. Um, I think, but yeah, it's, it's, I think what's so hard to say, and it's so easy in certain, certain circumstances on Twitter all week and going, mm-hmm. uh, you know, get rid of Les, get rid of Lee, it's the board, it's Batio, it's, it's Fernandez, it's this, it's that. But in reality, all we see is the team on the pitch. So I find it difficult. Yes, of course, you can dig deep and look at the finances and you can go, Lee's done this. We haven't really generated much revenue, X, Y, Z. But I think it's very, very difficult for anyone right now, unless you have some inside intel, to sit here and go, X, Y needs to go, X needs to go, X needs to go, because we don't see the full picture. And that's what I kind of struggle with. If someone goes to me, what do you think is wrong with the club right now? There's there's so many facets to it that I couldn't pinpoint it on one single person or one sort of exact element that I think is wrong. I think it's a whole culmination. I think is what he said, the club needs to shake up. So it's difficult. What I took, I know I'm kind of asking myself a question, which is a bit weird. Um, God knows the questions I ask in this head sometimes, even I don't want to answer them. But what I took from that was, and it's a shame he was ill. That's not his fault. It's not oh, our 100%. fault. It's, yeah. it's not the listener's fault. It's not anyone's fault. It's one of them things that happens. He, he maybe was a bit ambitious thinking he gets through the interview, whatever. I don't know. Um, the training ground, brilliant. Safe standing. The incentives behind that, great. Fan-led. The name of the Istanbul stand. I know, yeah. you know, he, he, I know there was a, fans had to pay for it a bit and everything else, but it's all been done, all been fans-led, all been supported, the forever hours. There's so many good things at QPR. And here we are yet again asking for fans again to get involved in more groups when there is so many groups within QPR. How, how would you know which meeting he was in half the time? He's gone to this one, to that one, to the, the forever hours, the stadium, this, that. There's, a, there's enough groups. I'll, I don't get involved in these things because I don't really see the point of me being there because I just talk nonsense. Um, and, but I understand what he said. So I think training ground, brilliant, um, all that. My frustration would be for him is he's quite happy to talk about his side of it. But when you're asking and pushing on stuff like, are you not disappointed that, you know, Warburton was released, not renewed or whatever you want to put it, because he wouldn't play the youth. And the very players that he was supposed to play have now all been either gone or on loan. 
Um, so that must be frustrating. And I'd like to engage with him more on that because he will then say that's Les's domain. So it's, it's typical QPR that we can only go so far on certain questions and it's a mixed bag that he can only answer some, Les answers others, and he says they come together and they sort it all out. The reality is, and I can't remember which one of you guys said it, I think it might have been Robert, you know, we could go either way here. We could be asking these questions a wee bit doom and gloom and we could just miss out in the playoffs or we can get dragged to the other end and then just the season just pitters out with us with a squeaky arse, whether we get dragged into a relegation battle. My worry is if this team, and it's not about the personality, it's not about their ability, it's just the, the games we're losing and how we're losing, sucked into a relegation battle could be a worry. With looking at Martin and young Armstrong as your main ways out, there's going to be other, other players who will help them out, and I'm sure they will. And I'm sorry for being so negative, but I am terrified of the next few games if we have a bad run starting on Saturday, that we could have a, a squeaky arse. Am I being over-pessimistic? No, I don't think you're being pessimistic. I, I still believe it will turn around because look, they believe they've got a good set of players. I think they do. The only thing I would say, which I wanted to pick him up on at the time, he said, you know our business model, we sell players to the Premier League. They sell one player to the Premier League. Mm. Not the best off. That's not a business model. Let's revisit it at the end of the summer transfer window where they might need to have sold three players to the Premier League. But at the moment, they've sold one player to the Premier League in however many years. And if that's the business model, it's not a very good one. Freeman, did he not go to Sheffield? Yes, when I stand corrected. Two players <laughs> to the Premier League. Uh, I'm just being picky, Robert. You know what no, I'm like. you're absolutely No, no, no. You're right. And he would pull me up on that. Um, but yeah, you know what? As fans, we've shaped the club before. We'll shape the club again. Very true. Well, listen, we'll have a quick chat about Saturday because we should do, because after all, that's what we hear about is football. Um, it's interesting we've given them two tiers. That'll make a bit of a noise. Um, and hopefully we'll win. Um, over to you, Robert. I, like I said, I said last week we'd do a win. We didn't win. I think this week we'd do a win. Uh, and I think we'll win. Charlie? He's just shaking his head. Uh, this is good for YouTube, but for audio, we need a bit more. <laughs> <laughs> oh, God, I don't want to think about it. Um, I don't know. Just, I'm, honestly, I'm just going to open mine and just see what turns up. I'm just at that stage now. So whatever comes is what comes. Good man. Well, listen, guys, thanks for sticking with the podcast for so long. Everyone who's listening and watching, hope you feel that we did what we did and hopefully you get some answers. Well, you, there's never enough answers, but that's QPR. Here's the winning Saturday. Thanks for tuning in and watching um, Open All Ours, the QPR podcast for fans, by fans. And please, God, win. Just win. Just one win. That's all we need. And then we can not be looking over our shoulder. So good luck, Saturday Rangers. Let's, let's um, put them back in their den. Rangers, the 